So if you received um, your sheet there, you'll see there'll be five divisions that we'll be uh, studying uh, under. And also, if you'll notice, uh, in the book of Numbers, uh, overall, uh, just to keep this in mind, uh, chapters um, 1 through 10, and then chapters 10 through 25, and then chapters 25 and onward, each form different sections. And it's mainly about preparation. The first ten chapters, uh, the Lord is preparing the old generation of his people, Israel. Uh, they came out of Egypt. They witnessed his wonders, his judgments against Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And so he's preparing them uh, in chapters 1 through 10 in Numbers uh, to inherit the promised land. But... From about chapters 10 and 11 in Numbers through chapter 20, chapters 25, we witness the failures of the old generation to inherit the land. They will not get to inherit the land. And that's where we were at. We're in this section last week in chapter 16, saw the rebellion of Korah and others. And then even here this evening will be a notice of more failures. But then from chapters 25 onward, it's, it's the preparation of the new generation of Israelites, the younger generation, who will actually get to go in under the leadership of Joshua and inherit uh, the promised land. All this has the bigger picture of creating a nation through whom Jesus Christ would come to this earth. So God is working out his plan, uh, even in the midst of his own people, sinning against him. And so here in Numbers 13 and 14, we have five sections. And I invite you to look at these five sections, and perhaps there's a section or two here that really resonates with you, and you might want to just make some extra comments in regard to these. This is not unfamiliar to us. We've read through these. You've heard sermons on these chapters before. It's just excellent content and, and tremendous uh, warnings to us. But chapters, uh, chapter 13, 1 through 25, deals with the sending of the spies. And then uh, chapter 13, 25 through 33, talks about the report that the spies bring back. Uh, chapter 14, 1 through 12, are various reactions to these reports. And then uh, from chapter uh, 14, Chapter 14, 13, and 19, Moses will again intercede for the people. And then God will uh, explain from chapter 14, 20 through 38, he will explain the judgments that will come upon his people. And so let's get started here. The first section is the spies are sent out, Numbers 13, 1 through 25. We won't read all these together, but a couple of questions for you. How many spies were sent out? All right, 12. What verses bring bring that out? Just say them. What verses do you see there that bring out, talking about selecting the spies? Okay, you see them there. And how did they go about selecting the, the spies? Okay, leaders of each tribe. And um, 
how many days were they gone in their uh, analysis of the land? Forty days. And what verse tells you that? All right, look at Numbers 13 and 25, and you'll see that um, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. So 12 men gone for 40 days, and they come back after uh, having spied. Notice verse uh, 1 uh, in particular. Uh, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Does your Bible use the word give there? Okay. Notice how this is another indication where God is going to give to his people. And it's always good for us to stop and put a, a peg down there because God always is giving to his people. If you go over to uh, Joshua chapter 6, you'll read similar language, how God said to Joshua, I have given unto you Jericho. Now, not yet, but basically had, because if they do what God said, Jericho would be theirs. Okay. The same thing with this older generation uh, of Israelites here in Numbers 13. If they do what God said, then they would get to inherit the land. But they will fail in doing that, and so the gift would not be theirs. Okay. But even today, salvation is a gift, but it has qualifications, you might say. Uh, there are conditions to any gift. Condition of receiving uh, the gift, of course. Notice here in chapter 14, and look at verse uh, 31. Chapter 14, 31, Numbers. This is part of God uh, speaking in disappointment to them. Uh, numbers 14, 31. Uh, you're... Little ones who you said will become a prey, I will bring in and they shall know the land that you have rejected. Notice that. Is it possible to reject a gift from God? Okay. So that's, that's some of the messages that ring true from the Old Testament that we need to take and, and illustrate salvation today. Salvation is a gift, no doubt about it. We, we spoke... Uh, from Jesus' words to the woman at Jacob's well Sunday, John 4, verse 10, he said, if you knew the gift of God to that woman, and uh, who it is that asks drink of you, then you would ask him and he would give you living water. He's speaking of salvation. Uh, Ephesians 2, and verse 8, Paul says, for by, the, for by grace have you been saved through faith. And faith is how we receive God's gift of salvation, but it must, must be done. There's a passage from Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, 6, 1 and 2, where he says, uh, be careful not to receive the grace of God in vain. Be careful that you, that you um, fail and, and uh, you receive the grace of God in vain. And notice from Paul's uh, words there in 2 Corinthians 6, first, uh, grace, the grace of God has to be received by human beings. Which one, the more you get to know about God, the more happy you are to, to receive it. But then don't receive it in vain. Receive it with a proper knowledge and proper attitude. So that just uh, sort of jumped out at me there. Uh, from verses 1 through 25 here in the sending out of the spies, 
what kind of uh, standard were they to use as they went and made analysis of the land? For example, look down to verses 17, uh, is it verse 17 to 20? Yeah, notice that. Notice the standards they were to use, Numbers 13, 17 to 20, uh, as they went and looked at the land. Okay. So they said, uh, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, go up into the, uh, the land. Notice verse 18, see what the land is, whether the people in it are strong or weak. That's one thing. Notice that the people are strong or weak. Notice if they are few or many, verse 18. Verse 19, notice whether the land is, uh, that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities they dwell in, are they simply camps or are they, are they strongholds? Okay. And of course they had strongholds, they had walls built. But they weren't just a bunch of tents out there, they were strongholds, they were dug in. And whether the land is rich or poor, verse 20, or whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage, that's, that's significant there. In uh, verse 20, as you go, the Lord said, Moses said, uh, you be of good courage as you, as you uh, spy out this land. Okay, so from verses 1 through 25 in the spying out of the land and the sending out of the spies, um, any other uh, thoughts or comments you see that need to be brought out? Okay, so Miss Julie's making the remark that their hearts were not right uh, from most of them as they were going in to look at the land. And you have evidence of that from chapters 11, uh, 10 and 11 because of the people, and even chapter 12, because the people had already grumbled against God uh, before this instance. That's a good point. Okay, the next section is chapter 13, 25 through 33, where they actually come back with, um, with the report. A couple of statements here that, that kind of jump out at us. Look at verse uh, 26, Numbers 13, 26. They came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people, and they brought back word to them. And I, I, understand, I, understand, I underline that in my Bible. They brought back word. Because it brings up a question to us, what, what kind of word do we bring to people? You know, and this is one of the challenging aspects of chapters 13 and 14. What kind, of, what kind of words do we speak to people? Is it words of fear, words of worry, words of weakness, words of, um, of a worldly nature, or is it more like uh, Joshua and Caleb, words of faith, Words of strength, words of courage. And so they brought back words. Underline that, because hopefully it will remind us to, uh, that we're bringing a report every time we speak to people. We're bringing some sort of report of how it is to be a Christian uh, when we speak. Okay. So notice there in verse uh, Numbers 13, 
uh, 27, they, they speak up and they say, we came to the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and this is, this is the fruit. They have brought back a whole cluster of grapes. But then what's the first word in verse 28 in your Bible? Nevertheless. Or however. So along with asking ourselves the question, you know, what kind of word do I bring to others around me? Uh, we need to ask, is there, is there a nevertheless in, in my thought process that causes me to begin to walk down the spiral of fear? Is there a nevertheless? The land was as God had promised. A land flowing milk and honey. Definitely a good land uh, to go into. Uh, but there was a nevertheless. There was a however uh, in their language. But notice Caleb's words. Let's analyze Caleb's words. Who would like to do that for us? Verse 30. Someone read verse 30 real loud for us. Let's, let's hear from a faithful man. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession. For we, all, for we are well able to overcome it. Okay. How do you analyze uh, Caleb's words here? Between that and the next verse, it's one positive and one negative. Okay. Ken saying between this verse and the next, it's one positive against uh, a bunch of negatives. Let's, let's notice uh, his words a little at a time. He first says, let us. Let us. How, what does that speak to you? Let us. Let us. Yeah. Now, together, the Lord's going to bless us. Let us. Let us do this. Yeah. He showed, showed a lot of faith. And showed faith in the promises of God. Let, let us go. Let us go. It's an interesting study just to take that phrase. And I, I want to encourage you to do this as you have time. And study it out both in the Old Testament and New Testament. Paul uses it a lot. Uh, I'll give you one illustration. Uh, Romans um, 13 11 through 14, he says, Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Armor. Let us get ready for battle. Let's cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Take your Bibles in the Old Testament and look over to Nehemiah right quick with me, if you don't mind. How's it go? Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Go on past Chronicles. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2. Of course, this is the occasion when Nehemiah is leading the people back to the homeland to rebuild the city, rebuild the walls. And so he has to give them some inspiration. Notice his words. Nehemiah 2, beginning in verse 17. Nehemiah 2 and 17. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we're in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build. Notice that. Let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we be no longer a reproach or a derision 
Again, verse 18, And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also the words that the king has spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Samballot, these are good bad guys now, Samballot the Horonite, he's bad, Tobiah the Ammonite, he's bad, and Geshem the Arab, heard of it, he's bad, they jeered at us and despised us and said, What is this thing you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? I replied to them, The God of heaven will make us prosper. We are his servants and we will arise and build. You have no portion nor right or claim in Jerusalem. So notice Caleb's words here. Let us go up at once. Caleb saw no hindrance to being able to go and do what God had said to do. Let us go up at once and let us possess the land, conquer it. We are well able. Why would he say that? We are well able. We are well able. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Miss uh, Miss Bertha saying he truly believed verses one and two, Numbers thirteen, that God had given them this land, that He was with them. Let us go up at once. What's the problem? What's the hold up? You know, we're we're well able. I think maybe these folks have a lot of the same problem we still have today. They want to talk to death and find every reason why it couldn't work. Caleb sounds more to me like a man of action. Aaron's saying that Caleb to him seems like a man of action. That oftentimes um, uh, things dwindle when you talk something to death and when God has made it clear and he's made it clear that he is with us, then, um, then we can move right ahead. Very good point. Very good point. So notice Caleb here. He says, uh, let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able. The, the, the ability there, of course, not from them but from God. And they should have been able to uh, settle down with their faith in God because they had witnessed so much. Think about the parting of the sea. Think about how God is taking care of them in this wilderness. And so they should have been able to, to really reflect and, and take, um, take faith here. Notice, though, that the... Um, The negative talk continues in Numbers 13 as we're looking at this section of the report of the spies. And the last verse says, we were as what in their sight? We were as grasshoppers in their sight. Now there were a lot of strongholds over there and there were a lot of big people and a lot of money, but God was in their midst. We were as grasshoppers. Now compare that to chapter 14 when Joshua speaks. Notice in verse, um, verse um, Joshua chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. Here's what Joshua says. Numbers 14, 8 and 9. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. 
Only do not rebel against the Lord, do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. So notice the, the contrast there. Uh, un, no faith says we're as grasshoppers, but with faith Joshua said they are bread for us. They are, it's, it's interesting to me, he said they are bread for us. We're going to be well able to overcome uh, if the people stand up against us, any other obstacle that comes up against us, uh, they're bread for us. And it got me to thinking once again about one of my favorite subjects, which is food. But how easy it is to eat some fresh bread. How easy it is when it's hot, whether it's just a piece of toast or whether it's a roll. I mean, when it comes out, or if it's a donut, you know, Okay. Uh, how easy are those donuts to eat? I mean, it's just almost like it's, it's just like they go down on their own. You know, no effort. And that's what Joshua is saying here. That's exactly what he's saying. They're bread for us. You know, if they get, if they try to withstand us, then it will be no trouble because God delights uh, in us. And so, several little interesting contrasts are, are made here. Ken's saying that with, with God in our midst, and we, we should be very confident. And what they were doing here from verse 33 in Numbers 1333, uh, Ken's remark is that they were saying uh, we were um, as grasshoppers in our own sight. You know, among our own selves, we were as grasshoppers. They were looking at themselves alone and not putting God in, in, the, in the formula, in the midst there. So with our own selves or from our own sight, we were as grasshoppers. And that's exactly what uh, what they were doing. Dude, Go ahead, brother. Uh, not to excuse them in any way, but uh, in, in context, we wonder why, why would they have faith in God? Why, why could they not be strong and feel that they could go in and do it? For hundreds of years, they Slaves, no rights, beaten down. Um, that's that's who they were. And all of a sudden, they come out. They are the people of God. They have no background. But I think God's just like in the New Testament. You know, it says that uh, that the power it is not in man, and uh, God's strength is seen in man's weakness. God manifests his glory in that he can take the, the weak physically and otherwise and accomplish his purposes. But just to get a, a handle on why they were acting this way, faithless and everything, I think we have to take into account their uh, years and years and years of servitude with slaves. Brother right. Larry's saying that one thing to take into account is to remember these folks have not had a background of warriors. 
they have a background of being slaves in Egypt. And so it's an unusual thing for them to be expected to go in and conquer uh, a land. And that, they had already seen great things from God, so... Yeah, over against that, they had seen some pretty powerful uh, things God was doing uh, in their midst. And God does bring that out, by the way. Let's see if it's um, chapter 14. Yeah, just to go ahead and read this. Look at chapter 14, verse 11. God said to Moses, uh, Numbers 14, 11, How long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? Notice that, chapter 14, verse 11. That was on God's mind too. In spite of all the signs I've done before them, why will they continue? Well, yeah, notice what he said he's going to do to them because of it, right? Verse 12. I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. I will make of you a nation greater and mightier uh, than they. Okay. And so a lot to be said here about the, um, the report that comes back uh, from, from the twelve. Now, who are the two that brought back faithful report? Who are the ten that brought back the unfaithful report? Why don't we know them? They're right here in chapter 13. Why don't we know their names? I think because they, they, want, they never further anything else part of the story. They never back. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. Yeah. They are forgettable. Okay. <laughs> Brother Aaron, what were you saying? Same reason no, nobody ever names their daughter Jezebel is the reason we don't remember these names that brought back the uh, unfaithful report. We don't need that negative connotation. Okay. So the only way to truly influence in the world is faith. Faith, faith is how we influence. And it's not that we want our names remembered per se, but people are not going to be drawn to faith unless we have faith. Joshua and Caleb had faith. And therefore, we're drawn to them because of their faith. We're not drawn to these others uh, that brought back the other report. Naysayers usually fade away, but the triumphant are remembered. Okay. Uh, Ken's saying that naysayers will fade away, but the triumphant are remembered. Certainly they are remembered by God. And that's the most important thing. Good chance, Paul says, they probably already had their mind made up. Okay. Well, there are some grumblings against God and Moses before chapter 13. I mean, you look back to chapter 11. They've already dealt with some of this. And so you there's probably are some, definitely there's some murmurings in the crowd. Anything else you see there that would tell you that? Right. Just human nature. Just human nature? Okay. So, looking into uh, chapter 14, 1 through 12, notice the reactions to the report. 
the reactions to the report. And notice the influence of, um, of faith or lack of faith. Let's do a little reading with me. Chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. Why are they weeping? All is lost because you go right from chapter 13 into 14. You see that? Whereas grasshoppers in their sight, and then the reaction of the congregation is they, they cried loudly. You know, we're all done. We're, we're finished. And all the people grumbled. So when they stopped crying, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness. Careful here, careful. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better to go back to Egypt? And they said, notice this. This is a, this is a downward spiral. Verse 4. Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. You think these people were hopeless? The unfaithful reports, that's what this brought to the people. Weeping, grumbling, doubting, let us go back. So, that's the reactions of the people. Then what are the reactions of Moses and Aaron? What do they do? Yeah, they just, why are they doing this? They fall down on the ground. We, we noticed they did this uh, in our, in our uh, discussion last week from chapter 16. Fell down on the ground. Fell right down on their face. Yes, it's, it's very, very much so. There's sin in the camp. There is, there's, there's unbelief. Uh, there's, there's doubt. This is, this is the worst thing that that could be. That could be. By the way, let's look and make sure we see how God describes this unfaithful report. All right, look down to chapter 14 again. We're picking up from Joshua's words, but notice. What, how this is characterized. Okay. This, you say, well, they brought back an evil report. Yeah, that's a basic Bible fact, but notice how it is described. Notice verse 9, chapter 14. Do not rebel against the Lord. This evil report is called rebellion. Rebellion. And then he says, and do not fear this Evil report is called fear. And then notice uh, God's words from verse 11. How long will this people despise me? Despise me. This is, what, this is how God characterizes an unfaithful report. This is the same thing as despising the Lord. And how long will they not believe in me? And we can go on and on throughout chapter 14, but notice how this unfaithfulness is characterized. Okay? You don't just say, well, okay, they didn't believe. Okay? This is not how God looked at it. This was, and this is not how Moses and Aaron looked at it. It's why they fell on their face. This is tragic. This is, this is beyond. This is worse than death. This is, this is worse than anything that they could think of to not believe in the Lord. Down on the ground... Uh, they went. And then what's the reaction of Joshua and Caleb? Yeah. They tear their clothes. 
It reminds you of when Paul goes into Athens uh, in Acts 17, uh, verse 16. It says his spirit was stirred in him. Because of what? Because of sin. Because of unbelief. Because of idolatry. So again, these chapters help us to to take a good look at ourselves and say, what's my reaction to sin? Is it do I just laugh at it? Do I just ignore it? Do I say, well, that's not my business? It ought to grieve us to our very core of our soul. And it ought to cause us to, to really uh, react. And as Paul did, when he saw the, the idolatry, he just headed right into their marketplaces and their meeting places and began to talk to them about the true, true God. So notice these different reactions. First from the congregation, they said, let us get us a leader and go back. And then from Moses and Aaron, they fall on their face. And then from Joshua and Caleb, and they tore their clothes. And then Joshua and Caleb, of course, we've already read this in verses 8 and 9. They speak up and say, if the Lord delights in us, then we're well able to do this. That's the key, isn't it? If the Lord delights in us. Um, You might write down in your mind, at least, Romans 8 and 31, if God be for us, what? Yeah, Romans 8 31. If God be for us, who can be against uh, Romans 8 37, similar. If I could just remember what it said, it says. Uh, conquerors. Uh, yeah, in Him we are more than conquerors. In Christ we're more than conquerors. The uh, book of Hebrews uh, 13, 5 and 6 uh, says as we battle um, things that come up in life, we, we must not fear. Now one battle he has in mind there in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 is greed. That's a battle for a lot of people, greed, materialism. But he says be content because the Lord is with you and I will not fear what man shall do to me. A lot of people are very fearful concerning material things, possessions. They're afraid that they'll be without and nobody will care for them. They'll just be completely without and they'll bring shame and disgrace to their family and to their name. And there's a lot of fear that goes uh, with that. But the Lord says, I don't want you to be that way. I want you to trust in me and, and I will help you. Right. So, notice the reactions here to the reports. And, of course, the big reaction is God. So, notice chapter 13. Does God speak at all in chapter 13? I believe he does at the beginning, right? Okay. Verse 1. But then after that, others are talking. And then you have these reactions in chapter 14. And then finally, after Joshua and Caleb get through what they're saying... Um, he speaks up, verse 11 and 12. Notice again the words of God to Moses. How long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs, the signs that I have done among them, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. I will make them a nation. I will make of you, Moses, a nation greater and mightier uh, than they. What happened to the ten that did not bring a faithful report? 
What happened to the ones who went as spies but who did not come back with faith? All right, notice verse 37, Numbers 14, 37. What does it say? The men who brought back, brought up a bad report of the land, what happened? They died by plague before the Lord. All right. So does that give us any indication of how God thinks about faith? Okay. And obedience. And obedience. Right. Faith is, the full ideal of faith is both knowledge, trust, and obedience. Go, go ahead, brother. This is right. Good point, uh, Brother Rogers. Making again the idea that these these are chief of think about thousands of people. Now we're talking about uh, six hundred thousand men on foot plus women and children. I mean, this is huge, and all these people uh, they picked out these men as this is our leader, you know, and so. Right. And that's why the people will. If our leader doesn't think we can do it, then we're we're done for. Good good point. Notice uh, here in uh, chapter 14, God speaks. He says, Now Moses, I'm done with this people. I'm going to make another nation greater than this. I'm going to make it out of you, Moses. You think God was able to do this? Could God start a new nation from the loins of Moses right now at that point? He could do it. That's why the intercession here of Moses from verses 13 to 19 becomes a very powerful paragraph. Because if Moses had any pride about him, he would say, Oh, Lord, okay, Lord, I'm with you. Let's make a nation. But no, he pled for the people. He would not. He, he he wanted God to forgive them. Notice that um, he says that in verse uh, let's see uh, verse seventeen, Numbers fourteen seventeen. Now please let the power of the Lord be great, as you have promised. And then he he says, Lord, remember you are slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiveness. You forgive transgressions. You forgive iniquity. Uh, you by no means clear the guilty, visiting iniquity. You are both just and forgiving. Lord, please forgive uh, this people. He could have thrown them under the bus, but he thought more than he did himself. Moses, right. Moses could have thrown everybody else under the bus and said, yep, Lord, make a nation out of me. I'll, I'll be that leader. But Moses was an incredible leader. Uh, he, he had an incredible... No, notice his knowledge of God and how much he wanted the promises of God promises of God to be made clear and to be fulfilled. Moses had been through his own transformation because he was not... You know, at first, when God called him, he was like, well, I didn't talk very well, and I'm, you know, what if they do this, and what if they do that? So maybe he kind of 
So Miss Julie's saying Moses had, had undergone quite a transformation himself, and that's very true because he was very reluctant to take on the charge of God back at the burning bush. Uh, but look what he has become. Just a really remarkable leader. Well, we'll let that um, bring us to a close. Um, lots of great thoughts. Appreciate your particip- participation in this. Did you have, I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead. Excellent uh, remark by uh, Brother Jones here. Moses reflects Christ because that's what Christ is doing for us right now in heaven. He's our advocate, 1 John 2, verse 1. He pleads our case before God. He understands our weaknesses. And um, so Moses was a great preview of Jesus Christ uh, coming. All right, let's continue to study these great chapters, Numbers chapters 13 and 14. We'll take just a few minutes break here before our devotion.